Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples' Journey. Uh, in this episode, we're going to cover Doctrine and Covenants, Section 3. So before we can even get into Section 3, let's talk about Martin Harris. Let's talk about some things surrounding that leads up that lead up to Section 3. Section 3 happens after uh, the 116 pages of manuscript have been lost. But before that happens, and before we even get it, like I said, we've got to understand uh, who Martin Harris is, how the relationship with Joseph started, and just what led to, um, I mean, we know, if you know the story, right, Martin wanted to sh- take uh, something to sh- prove to his wife and his friends uh, and, and others that he wasn't crazy, that he wasn't crazy for having given Joseph money for uh, helping Joseph, that Joseph himself wasn't crazy. And so he said, Joseph asked the Lord if I could take this. The Lord said, no. So why why would why would Martin ask, and then why would Martin ask again, and why would Joseph be willing to ask the Lord after having been told no? So the Harrises, uh, the Harris family, I uh, lived near the Smith family. They knew them. Um, there was obviously a lot of discussion in the area about Joseph uh, when after he had had his his the first vision when he was fourteen. And had kind of started talking to people and talked to a Methodist preacher and some others, and it kind of spread, right? And, he, and we read uh, in our past studies about how, in, in Joseph's own words, him telling us that for whatever reason, people started to dislike him and uh, fight against what he was doing and um, very mean to him, honestly, right? Just outright uh, inhospitable. So... That that still's going. It's still going on uh, years later, uh, as Joseph is being instructed by Moroni and others each year at the Hill Cumorah before getting the plates. And then, um, and so, so Joseph is a known character in the, in the region, and his family is known, and it's known that he's uh, supposed to be getting some sort of uh, gold plates or gold records or, or something, right? And it's it's this crazy, it's this crazy teenage boy, right? Well, uh, Lucy Mack Smith, Joseph's mother, goes and visits um, the Harris family and tells them, "Hey, look, uh, Joseph has has received the plates now." And Martin's wife believes believes Lucy. Like uh, in, uh, almost immediately, and Martin is the one who's a little more hesitant. He is a man of, uh, f- I mean, he's not he, the the Rockefellers or uh, by or anything in terms of wealth, but in the region, he's a wealthy, well-to-do man, well-respected in the community, and so he he's a little more. Uh, prudent, I guess, and in in less rash and disbelieving what Lucy's told the family. He wants to believe, and so what he ends up doing, and I've mentioned this in a in a past episode, but he spends quite a bit of time kind of interrogating the family, Joseph, uh, people just uh, close to the to Joseph, to kind of get an idea of what kind of family they are, what kind of kid he really is. Uh, Martin is. Quite a bit older, uh, twenty or so years older than than Joseph, uh, and so he doesn't. He, it it 
he doesn't want to just believe some teenage kid, right? And uh, uh, change his life for some crazy theory or whatever. He goes on, and, and this is what leads him to wanting to take some of the um, record, but not right, but some of the characters to Professor Charles Anton, which is what we talked about in a previous episode, and Dr. Mitchell, and at least one other expert. It's because he wanted to just like verify that like this could be feasible. And we'll see that that's kind of Martin's uh, default personality type, which is, you know, that's okay. People are like that. Uh, and we'll see that as we read into section five later in another episode. But so Martin wants to just verify. And after he's done all this verifying, he comes to the conclusion that Joseph can be trusted and that this this is real. So he begins to help Joseph, and that includes giving him some money. It includes uh, acting as scribe for a time, as Joseph translates. But as time goes on, he doesn't ever see the plates. And he's got to return home all the time. And he returns home, and his wife says, have you seen the plates? This is the kind of situation that's happening, right? Have you seen the plates? What's going on? Have you seen anything that like it validates this 100%? And Martin has to keep saying no, right? I mean, other than maybe the, the feelings that he's felt and the spirit, which should be believed and trusted more than our eyes. But in a worldly sense, he hasn't seen anything. And so eventually his wife ends up turning and she stops believing. And she says, you know what? Well, you've been hoodwinked. You've been tricked. She starts telling all these people about it. Um... And there ends up, uh, she ends up actually threatening to sue Joseph for basically deceiving them and taking their money. And there's a bunch of people in the community who are willing to testify against Joseph for being a crazy teenage kid. Uh, and, um, and growing into this crazy youthful 20, some young 20 year old, right? And, and so Joseph doesn't want anything to do with that. So Martin comes to him. Uh, his wife also actually, by the way, threatens Martin and says, if you don't testify against Joseph and if or, and or bring me proof, then I'll you'll be like held liable as well. So that seems like a great healthy relationship. His wife threatened to basically sue him as well. Martin doesn't want anything to do with that. So this is kind of the situation that leads to Martin wanting some sort of evidence and proof. Goes to Joseph, says, please ask the Lord. The Lord says, no. Now you can understand why some, they, they accept that answer for a, for a short time. And then Martin and Joseph are like feeling the pressure from their family, from the community. And so you can understand why Joseph would just go back and say, well, maybe I misunderstood that. Maybe I should ask again. So we ask again. The Lord says, no. Pressure begins to mount and so Joseph asks again, and the Lord says, all right, fine. But they're given very specific instructions. Uh, I believe five people. There's five specific people that Martin was allowed to show the manuscripts to. And he ends up not doing that. And it gets lost and stolen. And there is not evidence to support this 100%, but a prevailing theory is that his wife actually stole it. Um, from him and gave it to someone else. 
So that's the situation we're in as we speak, we begin section three. Uh, but you can, I, I share that all because I, I hope that that helps you as you study and as you read section three. Again, like I said, we've, we've heard the story, but why would he, why would he ask three times when being told no twice? Why would Martin have such a strong desire? Why would Joseph concede to uh, asking and then relinquishing the, what had been translated? Well, I think that the, what I've shared can sheds a lot of light on that. So here's a little bit of a timeline. In middle of June 1828, Martin Harris takes the manuscript. Uh, about a month later, it's a couple, yeah, it's roughly a month later. Joseph Smith, um, at the uh, Emma, kind of prods him to say, "Hey, look, we haven't. Martin hasn't come back." So you should go see what's going on. Uh, there, the, at the time, this Joseph and Emma are living in uh, Harmony, Pennsylvania, and so Joseph makes the trek back to Manchester, New York, where his parents live, and he's supposed to be meeting Martin there. That's where. Oh, by the way, another just like add some more pressure to the life and things that are going on. While this was going on, Emma was pregnant. After uh, Martin takes the manuscript. The Emma has their first son who dies after a short time. And so Joseph's had this son that's died. His, he's with his wife, Emma, who also almost died in child delivery. The The manuscript is gone. Martin hasn't returned. So after a while, Emma says, you, you can leave me. Go and see. So Joseph travels there, meets up with Martin, finds out that... And I'll, I'll dive a little bit more into the, exactly what happens... Just kind of give you an overview of the timeline here. Martin says, yeah, I don't have it. Uh, so in July 1828 is when Doctrine and Covenant Section 3, this revelation is received. And then it's not until September 22nd uh, that Joseph Smith receives the plates and the Yerman Thummim again. He, the, the plates and the Yerman Thummim were taken from him by Moroni. And then it's September 22nd, which, remember, also, 21st night of September into the 22nd is when Moroni originally talked to Joseph. And if you listen to previous episode, there's a lot of significance in terms of uh, Jewish uh, festivals and holidays at that time. And then it's not really until April 1829 that Joseph is really able to continue in earnest translating the Book of Mormon again. And that's when Oliver Cowdery uh, comes in and acts as scribe. So he does, he does translate a little bit between September and April, but uh, as we'll see in, in our studies this week, the Lord tells him you're going to, you're going to stop translating for a time. And then, then you'll be able to translate again. And that time is, not only just the time that he couldn't translate because it had been taken away, but this time between September and, and April as well. Okay, so whatever the, the purpose of... Uh, oh, that's uh, actually a different direction here in, in my notes. So I told you I was going to tell you more about how the interaction went at the Smith home. So Joseph's at his parents' house. They're waiting for Martin. He was supposed to come for breakfast. 
he's hours late. When he gets there, they see him outside, and he ends up sitting kind of on their their wall around their house with his head down. And I mean, you can imagine trying to get the courage to come in. Comes in and says that he's lost the plates. Lucy Smith described Joseph's reaction in what happened afterward as this. He said, she said, he wept and groaned, walking the floor continually. Sobs and groans like the most bitter lamentations filled the house. Joseph in particular was more distressed than the rest, for he knew definitely and by sorrowful experience the consequence of what would seem to others to be very trifling neglect of duty. He continued tracing backwards and forwards, weeping and grieving like a tender infant until about sunset. We persuaded him to take a little nourishment. Joseph's despair continued until, and so this is end of quote, but uh, so Joseph's dis, uh, despair continued until Moroni visited him in uh, in harmony, which is when he receives uh, section three of the Doctrine and Covenants, and he receives this revelation. And the Lord says, "Remember, God is merciful. Therefore, repent of that which thou hast done, and thou art still chosen, and art again called to the work." So the the impact and the weight of what had happened immediately hits Joseph, and he's distraught. And he's afraid that he's going to lose his calling, right? That he's been called to what he's been called to do. And so, as you read section three of the Doctrine and Covenants, that's what has, that's what's transpired. That's, uh, Joseph is seeking some sort of relief. He is penitent. He's made a mistake, and he's willing to pay uh, what price, but he's hoping that price isn't uh, a full withdrawal of his calling. My favorite verses are actually probably from the very beginning of this. The works and designs and the purposes of God cannot be frust- frustrated, neither can they come to naught. Look around our world today, and things are just in commotion. And it's like, how can there be peace? How can there be happiness? Well, it's all part of God's plan. And Christ is coming again. And no matter how hard Satan tries, Israel will be gathered. And it's up to us to to work uh, towards that and to be a part of that work. And it's our opportunity to be a part of that work. But uh, remember, remember that it is not the work of God that is frustrated, but the work of men. Cunning men may lie in wait to deceive, and we read in the Book of Mormon, and we know that the Book of Mormon is written for our day, and there's, you know, uh, secret combinations, and there's just conspiring wickedness of men, and there's the natural disasters and things that just happen in our life that uh, seem to be conspiring to stop us from receiving happiness, to stop the work of God. But very clearly in section 3, the Lord tells us that it's the work of men that will be frustrated, not his work. And so right there, Joseph is told, yeah, look, you've lost the manuscript, but that doesn't mean the work has, is ruined, which is another thing he was he was worried about. He was worried that uh, evil men would use the record, and that's exactly what was going to happen. And so he's, as we know, he was then told not to retranslate the portion that was lost. Rather, he was to con- just continue translating. What is very fascinating and important cool, honestly, is that Joseph was translating from the front of the of the record to the back. And uh, the small plates of Nephi, which uh, include 
First and second Nephi, Jacob, Enos, Jerem, and Omni, are all at the would have were all at the end. We have it at the front of our Book of Mormon, but they were all at the end because they were the first-hand account of those men that I just mentioned. And if you recall, Mormon, in the words of Mormon, said, "Look, I found these small plates of Nephi when I was going through all the records, and I love them, so I'm just going to put them in my record." Joseph translates the first part of the Record of Mormon, the abridgment of the Nephite history. That manuscript is lost. And what takes its place, and while it might not be 100% exactly the the exact time frame, we do know that it was at least very close uh, in terms of what was lost time frame from the Book of Mormon, is replaced by these small plates. But Joseph didn't know that until he gets to the end of his translation, until he gets to those small plates. The Lord had prepared Nephi and said, Nephi, prepare these plates. Nephi said, I don't know why I'm doing this. I have another record, but for a wise purpose, I'm doing this. The Lord's told me, and and it's a wise purpose in the Lord. I don't know why. So he includes those plates. Mormon's abridging, and he's prompted by the Spirit and his love of the gospel and his love of the writings of Nephi and Jacob to say, you know what? I don't even want to abridge these. This is perfect. This firsthand account, I'm going to put this in here. Puts him in. Joseph has no idea. But the Lord did. The Lord is omnipotent. The works of men will be frustrated. Not the works of God. Another theme and just powerful message from the Lord in section 3 is uh, his message that, For behold, you should not have feared man more than God. For us in our day, do we fear men? Do we fear what people will say about our beliefs on social media if we share them? Do we fear standing up uh, in public places because of what repercussions may come from men? Do we are we are the things that we ask for in our prayers because we fear men or because or that we fear God? Uh, I can't find it in my notes, but I, uh, there's a quote from Elder Christofferson, so I'll, I'll have to just kind of paraphrase it. He said. In a biblical sense, the word fear often it comes from a word that is related to reverence and awe. And so sometimes we think that, like, that's how we should fear the Lord. And that's true, he says. But sometimes the fear of the Lord should also be actual fear. And not like being afraid of the Lord, but being afraid to disappoint Him. Being afraid that our actions will um, offend the Lord and His goodness and His mercy towards us. And that's what Joseph was taught. And as a matter of fact, Joseph is corrected pretty harshly in section three, but it's not the first, it's not the last time. It wasn't really necessarily even the first time. Uh, And it's kind of a theme throughout the Doctrine and Covenants. There are several places in section 95, the Lord tells us that he corrects those whom he loves. He chastises those whom he loves. And why? Because he wants them to be like him. And so if you're feeling chastised by the Lord, it's because he loves you and he wants to correct you and he wants to teach you, fear me, not the world, not men. Their works are going to be frustrated. What they want from you and out of you, that's going to be frustrated. But what I, the Lord, your God, your Father, wants from you will not be frustrated. Trust me. Trust in me. And fo- follow me. That's the lesson that Joseph uh, begins to, to learn in section 3. And like I said, he's we, we understand and we read in, from section 3 and throughout the Doctrine and Covenants that Joseph and other leaders of the church were not perfect. 
They're men and women just like us who made mistakes. And it teaches us that we can rely on the mercy of the Lord and the atoning power of Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about this more when we get into section five. I'm going to wrap up section three here. But when you get into section five, you'll understand and see is that Martin's promised and he ends up becoming one of the three witnesses of the Book of Mormon to actually see the plates and have a physical manifestation of them. That's after he'd lost the manuscript. Why? Because the Lord is merciful. And when we are penitent and we come to him with humility and with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he forgives us. It's why he sent his son. It's why It's why Christ came to the earth. And so while Joseph and Martin are chastised and corrected harshly and strictly in section 3, I invite you to look for the mercy that the Lord offers them and the hope that's also uh, very present in this section. Um, I'm going to end this section here. Uh, I'm just going to run through my notes real quick and make sure there's nothing else that I feel... Uh, I need to share. I did actually find one thing I want to share, and it comes from uh, the Institute Manual. It says, Young Joseph Smith was disciplined for, uh, with a four-year probation before obtaining the golden plates because, quote, you have not kept the commandments of the Lord. That comes from Joseph Smith's uh, papers. Later, when Joseph lost 116 manuscript pages, he was disciplined again. Though Joseph was truly remorseful, the Lord still withdrew his privileges for a short season because, quote, whom I... Love, I also chasten that their sins may be forgiven. Joseph said, The angel was rejoiced when he gave me back the Irmanthamum and said, God was pleased with my faithfulness and humility and loved me for my penitence and diligence in prayer. What a great thing to be loved for. And I think that's something that we can all strive for. Uh, because we're not going to be perfect in this life. But, we, but what we can be is we can be penitent. And if we are penitent, the Lord will love us for our penitence. Thanks for joining me in this episode. I hope you'll join me in the next uh, episode as we discuss section four of the Doctrine and Covenants.